Hey, Dan. Hey, listeners. We are here for the 75th episode spectacular. Yes, we've hit another important milestone. And to celebrate, this is one of the rare occurrences where we are actually here recording together in person in physical space. Rare occurrence, a special occasion, 75 episodes, it's a year and a half. How many episodes have we recorded in person, Brian? At least three, because there was Amazing World of Ghosts. There was the Iron Giant. There's this one. And there's, oh, um, we went on the trip and we recorded Gravity Falls. All right. So this is our fourth, by my count, episode recorded in person. Very cool. Happy to have you here. And I'm happy to retrospect and... Prospect? Prospect. I deal, I struggle with that every spectacular. I don't know what the proper... Scry? Yeah. There you go. Soothsay? Something like that. So... The way that we structure these eps, these spectaculars, is first, we look back and look ahead. Second, we have the goods by the numbers, where we do a little bit of statistical appreciation of how far the podcast has come. And then we have our award show section, the goodies. The good, I, I, I guess that we never did, talked about a title. Goodies is about as good as anything we got, but... Nah, man, we came into episode one, we came into episode 25 with the talking points. We got to figure out what this thing is going to be. We got to do some uh, structural rejiggering, and it's not happened. We're, uh, <laughs> we've gone a year and change past that, and uh, we, we roll forward. We're creatures of habit, so. So let's start by looking back. So Brian, it's been a half a year since we last checked in on a spectacular Tell me, tell us about this past half year, the show, your life. What, where are you right now? Okay, past six months. So when did that turn over? We recorded 50 in like September. Early September, I think. Yeah. That's right. So uh, listeners may have heard me talk about at some point, especially in the Max Magician episode, which I guess is within our time span that we're discussing today it was post 50 it was like 52 or something but i talked about how for like 17 years i wanted to go back to the renaissance festival i did it i did it this year i went back on the very last day of the season i took a date it was a good time it happened i went to the renaissance festival good is that maybe not a bucket list item, but something that you'd been wanting to do? Something close. It's like something you put on the vision board and, and now it's transpired. Yeah. Very cool. We could just kind of quid pro quo this thing to quote Hannibal Lecter. Uh, what's, <laughs> what's been going on with you the last six months, Dan? Well, personally, it's been a busy six months, but it always is. Um, I, I started a new job about a month or two into this segment that was back in October. Still transitioning to it, adjusting to it, but uh, not too bad so far. It's always interesting to switch jobs. This is my second time switching jobs, so it's not like I have a lot of experience, but it's like I, it takes forever to really feel comfortable in it again. So I'm just starting to feel comfortable in it. But that is, I went from being a IT guy to a different type of IT guy. I'm a data analyst now. I was a software developer, now I'm a data analyst. So a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. What is that? It's uh, from The Simpsons. I believe it was the group of people who are like 
going up as astronauts or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I hear you about changing the jobs. Uh, I'm coming up on a year in the job that I now hold, which uh, I guess I took on right around the time of our first spectacular. Still gauging. Uh, I mean, I was in my job before that for about seven years. And in that situation, it was like, I really liked the job that I was doing, but it was not a quote unquote real job. So I'm, I'm still finding my place in a sense. Glad to have this as a constant presence in my life, this show. Yeah, me too, for sure. As far as the show goes, it's been a, a fun six months. I think we've had a pretty good variety of films. We've had some, some stinkers, some clunkers, some disagreements. Um, it was just an interesting six months, I think. Honestly, that was the main other bullet point in my looking back was I really enjoyed the variety that we had this time around. I don't know that we had any Best Picture winners. We had La La Land, which came close. It was Best Picture winner for about three minutes. Right. But we did have like Max Magician in the mix yeah. and Amazing World of Ghosts and the Spy Kids franchise, yeah. Snow Day, lots of interesting stuff. We had In the Mood for Love, an undisputed masterpiece. We had Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Also, yeah. So, you know, it was, it's it also the big thing I want to point out, it was the six months that spanned most of the holidays of note. We, we had a lot of spooky season stuff. That was fun. We had our Christmas. I tried to pick something Christmassy all December long. We had the, the Mumblecore one. We had a crisp, another Christmas Carol check-in. I like that tradition. We had the Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. And then we had our theme month, too. We had our February theme month that we just wrapped prior to this. That was Young Adult Month. And I think that pushed us a little bit out of our comfort zone in some ways that, that were pretty good, pretty fun, I think. So uh, I always feel like the if you're going to like have alternating six months, this six months, there's more thematic choices. And the next six months is going to be even more freeform, I think. Right. We'll see. But trust that there will be probably another theme month in the mix somewhere. And, well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk going forward. But uh, and, and other looking back thoughts, I just wanted to say that what I think makes a strong episode is when we both have like strong feelings about the film especially if we can bring personal connections to the table. Yeah, I think that makes the content more interesting. If we get excited or get angry or find some way to agree or disagree, particularly, like you said, if there's if there's some connection we can bring to it. I always like, I don't know how much the listeners like it, but I like it when I get to say, hey, here's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And the thing that made me think of it is I've been thinking about my old top 100 lists or like we talked about, it's kind of a funny story, and I got to reflect on my thoughts on young adult lit and this young adult author in particular whose death moved me, and Brian got to bring something to that too. It's always nice when we can connect it to like some personal kind of reflection that we have. Right, I got to dig out my published writing. I also wanted to shout out Dan for getting quoted as a media expert <laughs> in The Mirror, prominent UK publication. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that, Dan? Yeah. Did I mention it in the... I can't remember. I don't remember either. I think I did, so this might be a repeat story. That's okay. I got an email from a reporter saying, hey, we're 
writing about uh, the new Australian office and uh, we would like a quote from you because they found some writing I did about the office in the past and I guess good Google results or whatever, they looked it up like, all right, this person can string a coherent sentence together. That's enough for me, apparently is what this reporter thought. And then I, she asked me how I wanted to be quoted and I said, you can list me as host of the Goods of Film podcast. And I didn't think she would do it, but she did it. So you'll look, go look at this article, maybe I'll tweet it or something. I, and maybe I'll link it as supplemental media or something, but uh, Dan Stalkup, host of the Goods of Film podcast, opining about the Australian version of The Office. And what they didn't tell me was that they were also breaking the news of who the new boss casting was going to be. They just asked me my thought on doing an Australian office. So I don't comment on that at all. And even though that was the focus of the article, but that's okay. It was still pretty cool to, to be in there. So, yeah. I mean, Dan told me that a writer had reached out to him about his coverage of the office and based on the caliber of comment we tend to get on the blog, I assumed that like if this person was not a robot or a, like a fake Nigerian prince, <laughs> that it must be just another blogger. But this is the freaking mirror. This is like a big UK. I don't know if it's a newspaper anymore, but it's like one of the publications. It's like the sun or whatever. Right. Yeah, that was that was a pleasant little surprise. So. All right, Brian, let's look ahead. What's to come? Six more months till our next spectacular when we'll be at our centennial. I can't believe we're coming up on it. I, mean, I don't want to jump the gun here because we're going to have plenty to talk about then. But man, time flies. What are we looking at for the next six months, Brian? That's right. Well, you've kept us on track of uh, churning out these episodes. So every week we get one and uh, we'll just keep uh, going forward. 52 weeks in a year. So just over two spectaculars if we if we keep that pace. Uh, things in the future. I got a weekend gig teaching a documentary production class at a nonprofit in Maryland. It's called Docs in Progress, not Docs and Progress. <laughs> but uh, that should be fun. You can still sign up for the class if you're interested. If you're a super fan, you want to meet me in person, check out the Docs in Progress website. Similarly, I'm also in talks to go out and um, shoot some drone footage. I am a licensed drone operator for commercial purposes. Uh, so I'm going to go give that a shot. Oh, wow. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. What kind of what kind of outfit? What kind of outfit? for? No, like uh, that you're shooting it for. Oh, so uh, my, my buddy is a cinematographer and... I think he got a grant from the Department of Agriculture to make a documentary about farming. And so I'm going to go and get some farm footage. Oh, wow. Now, so we live in the D.C. area, so they have weird rules about where you can fly drones. So where what is the rules? Where can we fly drones? Right, so there's, there's a 15-mile circle from D.C. that basically you're not supposed to do any drone stuff and if you have like a fully established like big company drone it probably is not even gonna let you take off within that circle because it's got all the gps data locked in but uh burke where i currently live is like just outside that 15 mile circle and 
I assume wherever I'm going to be going that farming is happening, I'll probably be okay. Yeah. Probably more than 15 miles out of the city. <clears throat> what do you got going on in the next six months? Well, I have three themes for me for the next six months, Brian, the next 25 episodes. Can I share those three themes? So is this themes for like personal development or themes that you want to focus on in the show? A little A, a little B. Okay, let's hear it. So the first theme is survive and persist. Survive and persist. So I have a, as, as busy as the last six months have been, I have an even busier next six months coming. I'm moving. I'm closing on a house less than a week from today. And then within a couple months, I'll be moving everything over to our new house. Uh, it's a big deal. It's an expensive house. It's, uh, you know, we've been looking forward to moving from this house for years now. Um, probably our quote unquote forever home, or at least until my daughter's graduate high school. And that's going to be a lot of time. It already has been. It's going to continue to be time. And then my older daughter starts kindergarten. Right around the end of this block, I have my 10th anniversary. So I might go on a trip for that. Just a lot of milestones and big things to do over the next six months. And uh, if nothing else, I'll consider it a win if we're still recording six months from now. And I intend to make it that way. But that's that's theme number one. It's going to continue to be time. <laughs> Very profound. I think I if we say nothing else during the looking forward section, that's something you can take to the bank. <laughs> it's going to continue to be time. Is that what I said? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to continue to be time. I don't know if we title up the spectacular, <laughs> so that would be a good title. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future is something the Eagles said, I believe. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's a little more poetic, but I think our statement's a little more truthful. I just rewatched The Big Lebowski. Have you seen that one? I did at one point. Yeah. He, he hates the Eagles. So I was thinking of that. And I've had a really hard day and I, I hate the Eagles. Can you turn it off, please? <laughs> uh, second theme is I want to get better at general podcast skills, particularly speaking, enunciating, articulating thoughts clearly. Like this is more even public speaking almost. Just get better at that. I, I identified like a course on Udemy that I could do. I don't know if I'm going to get around to it. It's going to be hard. But when I edit, I just keep getting mad at myself because I like jumble up sentences and words in a way that's not easy to edit or I'll like trail off so you can't hear that the second half of my sentence. I just want to be a, a stronger podcaster for you, the audience. So that's theme number two. Good goal. I make no such promises. <laughs> this is a sandbox for me. Yeah. Well, you're a natural showman, Brian, and I, I oh. lack that gene. So you're always very articulate and you have very good spoken presentation. Well, thank you, Dan. I did make the student commencement speech in high school and college, and I'm still clinging to that memory. It's, <laughs> it's there in the case, my little Jefferson cup, as I said a couple episodes back with uh, my silver humor medal so <laughs> your, your rosie o'donnell key that's right go listen to our episode on read and weave to hear a little bit more about that and what's your third theme that you're striving yeah. for Dan, and working on so my third theme is i've been getting back into writing brian i've been writing a lot actually and it's kind of dumb because i already like don't have enough time to do a podcast but 
I've been writing a lot of movie reviews, like a crap ton of them. And uh, I've actually kind of liked how some of them have turned out, not all of them. But um, a third thing that I want to think about and maybe not have an answer for, but start to think about is what does my future look like in terms of writing movie reviews? Do I have any long-term goals for that? How does that integrate in with the podcast? Because I kind of want to publish the reviews under the goods banner or like an overarching goods banner. And so I want to figure out what that's going to look like too. So that's kind of my third thing. Interesting. I know that you've been tinkering around with that. I've seen like a proto website. And just across the board, I'll say that Dan has always impressed me how, I don't know if Renaissance man is the right word, but he's just very prolific. He uses his time in a productive way. And so he can do a lot of things over the course of a day. He fits more into his 24 hours than I ever seem to. Uh, I listened to a podcast uh, about history. That's one of my favorites. Uh, but it talked about Julius Caesar and how Julius Caesar was always doing like 20 things at once. And, I, he, you know, he didn't live a very long life, but he did a crazy amount of stuff. And like, we still talk about him and we still know what he looked like. And just he really left his footprint on the edifice of time. And I, I'm not saying you're at Julius Caesar level. <laughs> But if one of us is, it's you. Uh, that's that's kind to say. But what do you think of the idea of me writing reviews under the goods banner? Mixed feelings? Uh, slightly, slightly mixed feelings just because, well, I don't know. I like to write too. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that. And so any way that you're, you're producing content that you enjoy and putting it out there. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if you hook your wagon to the goods is star. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if associating it with the podcast is going to give it like a, a fame boost or prestige boost. Cause is it just movies that we've covered on the podcast or is it all movies and you're putting it under the goods brand? The latter. Okay. So I don't know. I'll keep thinking about it. We'll work it out. But for now I've been publishing them on letterbox. I intend to move them to another source as Brian mentioned, I have a prototype I'm working on. I don't know if that's going to be the final product, but uh, writing more movie reviews. That's my theme number three, figuring out what I want the future of my writing, my movie review writing to look like. Maybe we create the like separatist letterboxed. <laughs> We're going to make the, the Pepsi Cola of letterboxed. <laughs> it's, you can only participate if you write reviews and I don't know. Maybe. We'll it's think about free, it. It's free form right now. It's jazz. Like La La Land, yeah. Right. But right. not too free form. It's got to, you know, be classic. Yeah. If John Legend approaches me, I'll say I'm out, buddy. Any other thoughts on the next six months, Brian? On the subject of jazz and improv, I wanted to pitch getting into the mix some freer form format changes, maybe. Get a little looser. Maybe we have some episodes where we incorporate like lists of things. And I know that your hesitancy to embrace like listicle, like top five type things is that we don't have comprehensive knowledge of cinema. Uh, we're going to be coming at these things with our limited experience, but I still think we could put together some compelling content, even with the movies that we've seen. Like, what are our favorite dream sequences? What are our favorite 
I don't know why that's the example that came to mind, but uh, just of what we've seen, what are some things we like that we want to talk about? And it could be within the umbrella of a featured film and, you know, just as a, a jumping off point, a diving board. Yeah, I kind of like that. One thing I really like that we do is we have a deliverable every episode. We have one or more movies that we are delivering a verdict on, is it good? And this is like a, you know what you're getting when you listen to the goods. And I kind of like that, but I also like other things. I like messing around and hooking what we talk about into other things. So I, I, I find it very promising that we could do something that combines a movie discussion and maybe we do something like we trim out the recap or, or, or ditch the recap, but then we, uh, do like a, a preceding section that's related. So your dream sequences example, you might have top five dream sequences and then a movie either known for a dream sequence or that has a notable dream sequence as the the other portion of the episode so we can still deliver and is it good, I think would be a, a way to experiment with different structures for the episode. I think it would be a lot of fun. I, I'm on board with this. Yeah, cool. I like that. I was also thinking we could incorporate some current trends I mean, when there's like potentially World War Three going on, you can't really call it current events, just talking about movies. But a podcast I bring up all the time is Buzzed On Movies, uh, produced by my friend Teddy. And they watch like everything that comes out and their podcast is very rooted in the present. And in a way, I'm glad that we don't do that all the time, that we can dig up and talk about any film that we want that our episodes don't become immediately dated. But at the same time, I like when we can pull in something like Octopus Teacher, my Octopus Teacher, and talk about something that is currently up for an Oscar. Or I guess even when we talked that one, it had already won the award, but it was somewhat timely. So I, I might choose a pick or two that is like ripped from the headlines. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fun idea too. I love, I would love to, so, so that actually interestingly ties into the theme number three of writing more movie reviews because not to spoil my grand ambitions, but at some point, maybe 2023, I want to get in the habit of reviewing movies as they come out because that's generally the reviews that people want to read is movies that are coming out. And so I think there this is a compelling idea. I, I also agree with you that we may get more listeners in the short term but I like, and I know that's not the metrics by which we determine the success of our podcast, but but I feel like our podcast right now is pretty evergreen in that when we talk about the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, or we talk about, you know, Titanic or School of Rock with Dead Poets Society or something, you could listen to that in 2021 or 2025, and we might make some references in the beginning of the episode about hey we're playing wordle right now or hey joe biden just got elected president but the core of the discussion itself will be timeless and evergreen yeah trump becomes the second grover cleveland <laughs> but i agree i've said before that this show to me is kind of like a message in a bottle and i hope someday it washes up on the beach of your desert island that you find it and can appreciate it. And maybe that's 
you know, you saw the Nicolas Cage, Willy's Wonderland animatronic horror movie and you decided to look up, oh, well, what's the Rock of Fire explosion? And then the podcast episode pops up. Or maybe one day you watch American Graffiti. I wonder if anybody has talked about American Graffiti and you Google American Graffiti podcast and then you find ours 10 years from now. I hope if you're that listener... I hope you're listening to this now, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. So, yeah. Exactly. Cool. I think it's going to be a bright six months for us, Brian. It's going to be warm. It's going to be fun. Daylight savings might be eternal now. Yeah. I don't have really enough knowledge of that to make an opinion, but people seem gung-ho about it. I mean, I guess we won't have to change the clocks anymore. Well, and the sun won't go down at, like... 3.55 p.m. Well, I mean... January. Yeah, maybe in January, but, like, the whole point is that the sun doesn't give us this... I mean, like, the, the clock shifts a bit. Uh, man, this is me, expert public speaker. <laughs> but, I mean, the reason that was created was because as the seasons change... You know, the, the amount of daylight we get kinds of sh- kind of shifts across the time. So you shift what you got your clock set to to maximize the daytime when you wouldn't have as much of it. Well, it's I think the, the story I've heard, and this is just a story I've heard. I'm not going to say that this is well sourced, is that various industries, including farming. Right. They wanted to start the workday at the same time, but they were dependent upon the sun being up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's linked to the idea of trying to keep sunrise as consistent as possible. Right. So that's why it's not six months. It's only like X months. And so if you lock it yeah. in one way or the other, you're going to lose that. Right. But I think for people who are not farmers, I think the general opinion is that the early sunset is more of a bummer than the late sunrise. Like okay. Most people... Start work at 9 a.m. Right. No, you don't, Brian. But a right. lot of people yeah. start work at 9 a.m. And even if we do this, the sun will always be up at 9 a.m. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I like the late sunsets during the summer. So if we can keep that, that would be good. Yeah. But I know that daylight savings time was not a thing until after World War One. You know what else was not a thing until after World War One, Dan? What? Income tax. Really? So... I say, let's abolish that next. (laughs) Take that 16th Amendment and flush it. I think the 16th Amendment had to do with the income. And now the the goods has become a libertarian podcast. Just kidding. I'm not. (laughs) (coughs) Brian and I agree on a lot of things. We don't really talk politics all that much. I would imagine we're not. Well, I don't talk politics. Dan occasionally brings politics into it, but uh, I'm, I'm not super vocal. Uh, I guess I do every now and then, maybe it's just my nature, but perhaps it's better that we continue to not make uh, I agree. <laughs> politics a focus of this podcast. I, I definitely, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, I was just looking up <laughs> what's in the 16th Amendment, and I'm not coming up with a fast answer. So, um, okay, yeah, that, that is the income tax. Down the toilet as far as Brian's concerned. <laughs> Does that wrap up our looking back and looking ahead section, Brian? It does for me. Okay. I've spoken my piece. <laughs> Didn't know we'd be getting into the Constitution here, <laughs> but what happens? Uh, the goods by the numbers. Brian, I got some numbers for you. Okay. I'm ready to hear them. For listeners, let's look at the goods by the numbers. 
How many things did we discuss the six months, Brian? We had 25 episodes. Any guesses what that translated to? Well, we had some combo episodes where we had like four or five things. In the Spy Kids episode, we had a whole bunch of things on the table because Dan went above and beyond the Call of Duty, pulled in all the machete films. Maybe in our update episode in the future, we'll uh, cover the Netflix original show. But uh, what was the total number? So things discussed and rated. And by rated, I mean me and Brian both rated them. So it enters our official spreadsheet. 40 things. 36 feature length films, three short films, and do you remember the last thing we rated? The last thing we rated, 75, was City of Ember. No, not not chronologically the last thing. So 39 of them were films, three of them short, 36 of them feature length. Okay, so something that falls outside of that category. I'm not sure. What's the bonus? We rated one short story that was... Oh, right. We did throw a rating on the original 1820 Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That's it. Yep. And that brings us to a podcast history of 109 things rated. So the oldest movies that we reviewed this set of 25 episodes were, I just got to say up front, not a very old batch of movies for us, Brian. The third oldest was 1977. That was Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Okay. In 1951 was our second oldest, and that was, I think it's officially Scrooge remarketed as A Christmas Carol subsequently. 1951. Yeah. And then the oldest one was the animated Legend of Sleepy Hollow, 1949. All right. Now, if you're going to count books, we reviewed, technically, we rated The Legend of Sleepy Hollow from 1820. We talked a lot about A Christmas Carol from 1843, and we talked about The Outsiders from 1967. So those would also have been in the mix for oldest things. Okay. I like that. That's another thing that was kind of new this session was we we had some multimedia. I should have brought that up as uh, a looking back factor. This podcast made me read a lot this, (laughs) this past six months. We had five books that I read for Young Adult Month, and then I read A Christmas Carol, and then I read the short story Sleepy Hollow, the original. Another example of Dan's prolific nature. I mean, I did specifically assign the short stories and really I should have read the young adult novels too. Uh, and I, I will. I, I pledge that I will eventually. But <laughs> Yeah, no worries. The newest things we watched, the third newest thing we watched is Zombies from 2018. And then for first and second place, we have a tie. Spontaneous and Zombies 2, both from 2020. Still waiting on Zombies 3. I know, yeah. I I googled it this week, and apparently Zombies 3, the speculation apparently on the way that Disney Plus releases things is like they will always do a release date at least X months in the future, and it's something around 6. So like we're getting up on the point where they need to announce a release date if it's going to be in time for Halloween. Okay, that's my prediction is October seems likely. Okay. So I'm going to do a slight tweak from what we've done in the past. Our highest rated and lowest rated. We're going to talk about our award winners. So I'm just going to say we had an entrant into the 16 club. I'm not going to say what it is because it might appear on one or both of our top fives. A 16 club means we both gave it an eight out of eight on our signature. Is it good scale? 
ranging from very not good to our masterpiece rating, eight out of eight, tour day good. Always good to see one of those. I think we've had one each spectacular. You know, you're right. I didn't even think about it that way, but we had one in the first block of 25 that was Groundhog Day, one in the second block of 25 that was Gravity Falls, and now one in the third block of 25. But we had no 15 club selections, Brian. We do have a large catalog of those over our 75 episodes. None this time, unless some ratings are tweaked this time around. But uh, the 15 club selections are Titanic, The Iron Giants, and Boogie Nights. And then we have two asterisk 15 club selections. Those are ones where, with our subsequent rating updates, that is a part of our awards section, it entered the 15 club. And that is Parasite which I gave a seven and Brian updated to an eight in the first spectacular. And then the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T, which Brian gave an eight and I upgraded to a seven in our 50th spectacular. There we go. Our 16 and 15 club updates. As far as our lowest scored, I think it's going to come up. It was a, you'll hear about it. (laughs) There was one that got a three out of eight. That is a very not good and a not good. So we'll be talking about that one too. Um, our ratings, number of matches, we had 11 out of 40 exact matches. Okay. Which is less, our first spectacular, more than half of the ones we had exact ratings matches on. So I don't know what that says about us or about the movies we picked or anything, but I, I like it when we disagree at least a little bit. So 11 out of 40 exact matches on the Is It Good scale. Yeah. Generally, our opinions are not super different. It tends to match if we like a movie not always but there's some consensus but we set a record here and biggest disparity and i don't think this record's ever going to be broken brian this is one for the record one for the annals one for the that we'll be talking about for generations to come biggest disparity there's eight ratings so what's the biggest disparity seven Seven? That, that, that's that's the, biggest. the biggest possible. Yeah. Okay. What's the second biggest possible? Six. Six. And that is what we hit this time. We hit a six and we hit a five. And uh, yeah, I think I remember both of those episodes. So I'll say what they are. I don't know if they're going to appear on our top fives or not. The difference of six was as I was moving ahead, occasionally I saw brief glimpses of beauty, which is an experimental documentary. Brian didn't like, and I liked. (laughs) Let's put it that way. And the other one was also an experimental documentary. It was The Amazing World of Ghosts from 1978. Uh, I called it very good. Dan called it very not good. So, (laughs) Mirror image. A dark mirror upon itself, yeah. Um, This is always fun. Most acclaimed and least acclaimed movies we talk about. Do a little bit of number crunching on this. Our most acclaimed film that we watched was... According to IMDb, and this is fun because IMDb, Letterboxd, and Rotten Tomatoes all gave us different answers this time around. IMDb says it was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which gave us an 8.3 out of 10. But of note, both As I Was Moving Ahead and Emmett Otter had an 8.2. So just 0.1 below that. Wow, very high. Yeah, which are in their own, they're not a traditional blockbuster. So it's kind of cool to see. A TV movie and a weird documentary getting some acclaim there. According to Letterboxd, the most acclaimed thing that we watched was, in fact, As I Was Moving Ahead, which has a 4.5 out of 5 on that platform. 
And the the next most highest rated thing we watched was In the Mood for Love. Wait, what site is this? Letterboxd. And they put, as I was moving ahead, the top, that's the highest? Yeah. Wow. It's the number three rated documentary of all time on Letterboxd. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> all right. Ryan really wants Everybody's to make Everybody's got their own perceptions. Yeah. Really wants to make that Now I might have to join Letterboxd. Yeah. Bring that average down to 4.4, which is the the runner up there, which is in the mood for love. Rotten Tomatoes. So our highest rated one. I don't think this movie's name has been said yet. This spectacular. Repo Man. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And just behind it, another one we haven't said yet. Spontaneous which was the semi-horror comedy drama about people blowing up. And then if you include TV specials, both Emmett Otter and then Out of the Blue, Zombies 2 had no negative reviews on Letterboxd. So they're showing up at 100%. Okay. But TV movies tend to not get as many reviews as uh, actual proper releases. So Best Picture winners, we had none except La La Land for about three minutes, if you want to count that. On to our least acclaimed... Here again, we get three different answers across the three different sites I cited. IMDb has Max Magician and the Legend of the Rings at a 2.7 out of 10. It could do worse, honestly. Letterboxd, meanwhile, has Spy Kids 4 at a 1.5 out of 5. And you can't give, uh, you can give a half, right? You can go down to half, but not zero. Right. So IMDb, you can give as low as 1 and as high as 10. Letterbox, you can give as low as a half and as high as five. And on Rotten Tomatoes, oh wait, sorry, we do have a repeat. Spy Kids 4 is also the lowest on Rotten Tomatoes at 23%, but Snow Day was right behind it at 29%. Wow, that's harsh. I know. You liked Spy Kids 4. Yeah, I mean, it's it's harsh to Snow Day too. Yeah. Like, yeah, we rated Spy Kids 4 more highly than some in the Spy Kids universe. Yeah. I will point out that several of our lower key selections had no percentage on Rotten Tomatoes, including Max Magician, including as I was moving ahead. Oh, all right. So you needed to have enough ratings to get that percentage there. But longest and shortest runtime. I don't know what to do with this section because sometimes we select multiple things. So I decided to just pick the individual longest thing that we watched and there should be no surprise there, Brian. What was the individual longest thing that we watched? Individual longest thing. So not the whole Spy Kids franchise. I think the individual longest thing we watched might even be longer than the whole Spy Kids franchise. Oh, as I was moving ahead. Right. Okay. 400, sorry, 288 minutes, four hours and 48 minutes. I feel like I watched that movie in a fugue state. <laughs> it's like, I don't even remember that five hours of my life. <laughs> Now, just as to to toot my own horn, I don't know. Actually, this might be like, I don't know if this is self-praise or humble brag or like self-deprecation. I watched for the Spy Kids episode, I counted it up, 772 minutes worth of film for that episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really impressed that you brought to bear all of those different things. Both the machete films. Yeah. So the shortest thing we watched... In a episode that featured multiple things, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is only three, 34 minutes. So that not the whole, because it's actually two, what is it called? It's like um, called Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Right. But if you watch just the short film that's just 
Sleepy Hollow. Okay, but then there was also the Sleepy Hollow Tim Burton movie, and there was the Wishbone, which was another half hour. No, that one was a double episode. Right. So, uh, yeah, the Wishbone was... You're, you're right. It was an hour, right? It was like so 50 what, minutes so or what something. So what was the total for that one? Well, so I didn't aggregate by episode. All I just right. did individual things. Okay, fair the enough. The Spy Kids throwout was like a random aside. But the shortest for its own dedicated episode was Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas which was 53 minutes. All right. Now we move to our ratings. So you and me, Brian. This one I've been excited to, to talk about because for the first time ever, I gave a lower average rating than you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what do you got? You gave an average of a 4.98, which is a low good. I gave an average of a 4.90, which is also a low good. That probably counts for like two total point differential yeah, difference of what yeah. 0.08 <laughs> and if you look at our overall we're so close brian i'm at a 5.24 which is a high good you're at a 5.23 which is a also a high good we're 0.01 difference in our 75 episodes in terms of our average rating for anything concordance yeah we don't want to bring too much conflict into this yeah another thing i like is that inadvertently we have developed a bell curve i've talked i think i've talked about this so ratings mirror each other so good and very good mirror each other now this one has drifted apart a little bit they used to be closer we've had 47 goods in the history of the show between you and me combined 61 very goods so that's not an exact mirror they're, they're a little bit apart but then you get down to good ish that's a four mirroring exceptionally good that's a seven we have 35 good ishes and 29 exceptionally goods and then you look at not not good mirroring toward a good we've had 23s that is not not good and and 15 eights that is toward a good so we have a little bell curve around the five and the six with i guess we don't give out very not good or not good as often as the others we have six total twos and five total ones between the two of us in the show's history so that's just a little bell curve check-in and maybe that was bound to happen yeah and we've talked a little bit about this before but i think there's a slight upward curve a leaning towards the positive because the movies that we bring to the table to talk about are ones often that we've seen before and like or at least have something to say about and hence why our peak of the bell curve is at six rather than at five. Right. Or even like right in between five and four. Right. Which I think in a natural world, that is what I might be targeting. Right. Uh, we had three guests this batch of 25. That was Gargus for the Hedwig and the Angry Inch episode. Then we had Andrew, your brother, for the Spy Kids trilogy two-part episode. And then we had my brother Will for In the Mood for Love not too long ago. So we only had one the previous batch of 25. So it was nice to have some friends around. That's one thing I did not say during the Looking Forward episode is I think there's potential to have more guests. Back when he was in college, my brother produced a radio show. And something I admired about that is they did a good job of if they were really passionate about something, they would reach out to somebody involved with whatever that was, and then they'd pop up on the show. And so I, I think there's potential that we could do something like that. Uh, 
I don't know if we'll get a lazy town puppeteer, but is that what they got? They did. Wow. Yeah, my yeah, my brother was very into lazy town, and so he reached out to the puppeteer who performed Stingy, the greedy puppet, and uh, they had Stingy on the on the episode. That's pretty great. And just to look at our our listeners, you, you listeners out there, friends, by my count, we have twenty seven hundred listeners. Ever. Like well, that distinct? Includes, no, probably not distinct. 2,700 downloads. So 2,700 listeners net, including repeats. And we know my brother Will has listened to every single episode. And I've listened to many of them. And I'm sure, Brian, you've listened to Yeah, and I tend to repeat, too. So, But we do have a breakthrough, though. Our most listened to episode ever now is no longer Rockafire. We had a new surge. We must have good search engine optimization on this one. And I think you're going to be surprised when you hear this, unless you're the person who's listening to it over <laughs> and over. But what was this episode, Dan? Our, our coverage of Cirque du Freak. Storming out. 170 times people listen to this stupid fucking episode. Topping the charts. Cirque movie. du Freak. I was surprised. I only learned this right before we sat down here. Uh, but our most popular episode this time around was the Max Magician episode, which had 42 listeners. So thank you, 42 people out there who listen to Max Magician. Okay, I've been pushing this one, so I'm not surprised. I've, uh, I did go to the Renaissance Fair, as I said. There you go, yeah. Yeah, which that film was filmed at, so there you go. That's our, our numbers. Our, our, the goods by the numbers this time around, Brian. So, so Brian, now we come to... Our awards section, the goodies thing we're all here for. Is is it called the goodies? Am I saying that? Or are we still yes. just our general awards show? Well, that's what I've always fought for is if it's got a name, it's the goodies. Okay. Not the goodsies. I don't think that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so I feel like we've never quite nailed the meta awards. It's always felt a bit masturbatory to me. I sent Brian the episode agenda, the Here's what we're going to be talking about, the outline. And it included the meta awards from the previous template. I didn't take them out. And so you prepared this time, Brian. Yeah, listen here. I'm the one who's like <laughs> fought against these the last two times. And I'm ready this time. So we're not dropping it. All right. I came prepared this time. So I guess we're going to be talking uh, meta awards. So I didn't realize we were going to be talking about them until about two hours ago and uh i've i have answers i apologize that if they're not the most prepared answers but so it's what it is it's a flip-flop of what you usually get how the turntables (laughs) so the first award brian what's your favorite running gag in our show so my answer it's not quite a gag i like when we can fire back with complimentary or contrasting picks to a previous episode selection So I'm thinking about how we had during this batch, say, the Turkey Hollow episode, and then we followed up with Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas. I like when we can think about what one of us has picked and then the other kind of echo, call and response. Yeah. No, that is fun. Um, What about you, Dan? What do you got for favorite gag? So it's always borderline. What's a running gag? Like, what's the thing we talk about? And of course, I wanted to honor something that you do here. The one that I thought of, and I think I've I think I've inflated the actual 
running level of this specific gag, and I don't even know if you can call it a gag, but Brian calling specific things mumblecore is <laughs> what I have as my selection for this. So we talked about what mumblecore was, and then for like the next two episodes, Brian said, "Well, well, this is kind of like mumblecore, right?" And uh, I w- I want to keep that to keep coming up. I want to hear down the line. Well, this is kind of mumblecore, isn't it? And especially if it's like La La Land, which is like the least mumblecore thing that one could conceive of. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to keep yeah. that spark alive for you. Uh, next Meta Award, favorite line or moment by the other. So, Brian, what was your favorite line or moment by me in the funny category? Okay, so something that Dan said that made me laugh. As far as something that was in an actual episode, I'm going to go with Towards the end of our Max Magician episode, Dan imagined what life would be like going forward after the events of the film when Max is apparently now living with the two most obnoxious characters, Tom Tit-Tot and Worm, who are hiding out in his closet. And and what would life be like then? And I, I found that very funny. But as far as things that were just barely off pod, my biggest laugh definitely came when... Right after we recorded the zombies episode, he said, you know, I thought it was pretty stupid that the zombies speak zombie and they live in zombie land. But then I was thinking, and if you're a German, you speak German and you live in Germany. (laughs) I did. I remember sending that to you. I was rolling about that. I'm glad. Um, For me... Funniest Brian moment. It's it's kind of a this category is unfair because every episode Brian makes me laugh out loud multiple times. So you can literally go to any episode and find a strong candidate for funniest Brian moment. I mean, just the episode I just edited, I was laughing for like 45 seconds straight when Brian was talking about cleaning iguana tanks and uh, iguanas. Um but the one that I retrospectively think of and it always makes me laugh is Brian being just really angry about Jonas Mikas, the narrator of and creator of As I Was Moving Ahead and him talking really close to the mic and making it kind of ASMR-y the way that he like, <laughs> like right into the mic. Uh, I always laugh when I, I think of that. Out of the blue. So that's my pick. Good. So we hope we make you laugh too, listeners. Now, uh, Brian, what about favorite liner moments of mine uh, in the insightful category? Okay, so something that Dan said that was insightful. I was really impressed at all the commentary that Dan brought to the table in the La La Land episode. You know, I had seen the movie several times and it was Dan's first viewing. And so I kind of came down hard on some moments. I was a little critical. And every time that I said something I thought was not top-notch about the movie, Dan always had something really thought out, ready to say, to just kind of parry. And I thought that was some of our best discussion that we've had. Uh, Specifically, like Dan said, that a a lot of what's meaningful about that film is it's things that Damien Chazelle has to say about once you're famous, are you really being true to your artistic identity? Or are you doing what's popularly appealing? 
and that that's something that's very present in the film. What about you, Dan? Yeah, so my pick for <clears throat> favorite line or moment by Brian uh, in the insightful category. I always really like when Brian brings personal passion about something, something that he's thought and learned a lot about. Uh, and there were there were a few of these this time. I really liked when he shared his experience winning a writing award when he was a freshman in high school. Uh, and I love when he likes a specific thing or theme and brings that. And this time around, I, my appreciation was very much raised for the legend of Sleepy Hollow story and how we talked about that. Uh, so that's one example. But the, the one I'm actually going to give the award to, that was my honorable mention. My, my actual selection here is um, Brian talking about artistic legacy and Jim Henson and what it means to be a real Jim Henson project and why, for example, Turkey Hollow, which we talked about, which had Jim Henson's moniker in the marketing, very much betrayed the spirit of Jim Henson and, and how he, he brought so much and left this long trail behind him, but Turkey Hollow really didn't fulfill that. I mean, it's got hollow in the name. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, he brought Emmett Otter as a counterpoint of what the, the passion behind a real Jim Henson project. And it really made me see the difference. So uh, I enjoyed that. And thank you, Brian, for bringing that up. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole purpose of the show is that we can share what we've seen. Yeah. Or what we want to see. That's right. Next one, favorite episode title. So just background listeners, when we first started the pod, I just named the episodes after the movie that we watched. I was like, I'll just put The Goods, Suspiria. The Goods, I don't even, what was our second episode? The Founder. The, founder. the Goods, The Founder. Brian said, no, no, dude, no. We got to have an episode title. We got to have an episode title. It's got to be a proper title. It's got to be good. I was like, oh, God damn it. This is going to be haunting me every time we edit an episode for the rest of the time to come up with something clever. But it's been it's been something it has been always fun and at least interesting to think about. What is a good episode title for the goods? So, Brian, what was your favorite goods episode title? I'm going with Green Hair and Z Words, the title that we gave to our Zombies and Zombies 2 coverage. That's right. What about you, Dan? That was What's your favorite episode title. Well, well, green hair and Z words, that was, you were just rambling about what it means to be a zombie. And you've said, basically, it means you have green hair and you say a lot of Z words or something like that. And yeah, no, that that was the essence of being a zombie, according to zombies. That was fun. Um, I liked a wordplay that you brought up that ended up being the episode title for Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. That was Lacuna Matata. And I feel like that hasn't gotten proper appreciation. I thought that was really good. Strong choice. Thank you. That's my pick. And then our, our, this is the best picture equivalent uh, of our meta awards. Brian, what was your favorite episode of the past 25? Right. So best picture equivalent in the sense of what did we put together that was most compelling? What was our best production and not necessarily the film that we're covering? I'm going to go with Max Magician. I liked what we put together that time around. I don't know. I, I just enjoyed that it was kind of an under the radar thing that I literally learned about from a targeted Amazon ad, that it was a locally produced film, and that we had some fun and funny things to say about it. I thought that was a funny episode. We had a lot of good lines of that. What about you, Dan? What's your best picture equivalent? So I think we did a lot of 
interesting episodes that were interesting in different ways. I liked it in Snow Day that I was able to bring just a really intensive appreciation, but also like pretty comprehensive knowledge of it because I watched it three times and listened to the director's commentary and read a bunch of interviews prior to the recording of that one. And Max Magician was fun too. And I just really fondly look back on recording the Spy Kids and Zombies episodes. I, I haven't listened to those very much, so I can't say whether they're good. But in terms of an episode that I think was uh, special for us each bringing something really compelling to the episode itself was It's Kind of a Funny Story, where we both had very personal angles on the content of the episode. I had a strong connection to the book, the movie, the author, and it's about being in a mental ward. And Brian had experience actually working construction on a mental ward. And so I think our alternating angles was just uh, brought something kind of special to that. So that that's my pick. Yeah, I agree. That one dropped pretty recently. So yeah, I just listened back to that one and you're right. That wraps our meta awards, Brian. I think it's time to move to what the listeners really are here for. That's the movies. We're going to talk about movies now, Brian. We're, is, we're a film podcast. Yeah, this is our own little Oscars. And yeah. here we go. And we're almost in the Oscar season. Now we come to the movies section of our award show, our goodies, uh, whatever we're going to call them. Brian. You really want to call it goodies, don't you? I, you know, I wanted to have a name that we're proud of. And goodies is where we're at right now on that. We didn't call it Yah. We don't need to call it Goodsies. I'm fine with that. Yeah, what did we say? We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> Every spectacular, I say, we'll think a little bit about the award show title. We never get there. So maybe this is for our 100th episode. Maybe we'll have an answer for what it's called. That's a good goal, actually. Yeah. Like we talk about, well, maybe we want this a little different. And then we, we never bell the cat. We never take the step and do the work to get there and realize what do we actually want it to be then? If we want it to not be in its current form, why do we want the next thing to be? And so that I'll make it my goal for episode 100 is come to the table with some specifics. Okay, there we go. I'm looking forward to it. First topic, biggest surprise. So historically, this has been well, I'll let you go, Brian. Brian, without any prelude, what was the biggest surprise of the past 25 episodes? Okay, because, yes, something could surprise us for different reasons. Like, was it something we went in with high expectations and it was actually not very good? Or could it be the complete opposite of that? Well, for me, I'm going to go with Repo Man, just because it's the movie that consistently surprised me all throughout from moment to moment, I never knew what was going to happen next. <laughs> and then it ends with a flying car taking off into outer space. Very surprising film. Good way to end. And you like that. So I think it also fits the films that you maybe didn't know what to expect, but you ended up really liking. Or That's had right. Medium expectations. It was new to me. And yeah. so a, a lot of the movies that I select for episodes are ones that I have seen before and already have preconceived notions about how I feel towards them things I want to talk about. This was a Dan pick that I had never seen before. didn't really know anything about, and I ended up liking it quite a bit. Cool. What's your pick, Dan? So my biggest surprise, honorable mention, would have been the pick if we had officially reviewed it as a group. I still think this would be a fun episode we could talk about sometime. Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl just blew my mind with, it's like avant-garde, stupid, ugly. 
like I, I just can't even describe it. I really dug it. Um, it was like it 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 reached the ugly barrier. I don't know if you've ever seen a meme about like things go so low they loop back to the top. Like it, it was one of those in terms of the movie. Uh, at least in terms of how it looked. So for reference, I haven't watched this one yet, but I did order the 3D Blu-ray with the red and blue 3D yeah. glasses. So I got to put this one on. I also know that I've just hyped it so much that it's not going to live up to Brian's low expectations. Well, it's got uh, what? George Lopez in it, right? Yeah. It couldn't be bad. <laughs> but I'm actually going to go with a movie that surprised me in the sense of not being a different rating or different or significantly better or worse than I expected, but because it was significantly weirder and more fucked up than I expected, but in a good way. And that is zombies. It just, the color scheme, the, the race is a metaphor that was, it's gotta be intentionally bad, but you know that they were probably also trying to make it good. Just the stupidest thing you've ever heard. I, Zombies was fun for me. We're going to come back to this, but yes, Zombies is up there in terms of movies that have stuck with me. Yeah. And that from like day to day, I've thought about. <laughs> yeah, me too. Tall boy and what's her name? Yeah. <laughs> uh, best scene. Brian, what was the best scene of the past 25 episodes? I picked the Medusa battle from Clash of the Titans. It really seemed like... Ray Harryhausen wanted to go out with a bang. What really sticks out to me about this scene is that everything is by torchlight. And so like the light is flickering over everything, which had to be such a pain when you're doing stop motion and going frame by frame, like to keep the flickering light consistent. It's mind blowing. It's such a good scene. That's a great pick. I quickly narrowed it down to three scenes myself. I didn't even think of that one. That, that could have been in the mix maybe because that was a good one. The three that I narrowed it down to, runner-up number one is the opening 12 minutes of Scream, where Drew Barrymore gets, uh, she's only in the first 12 minutes. Um, <laughs> but that's also like the closest I've come to pooping my own pants watching a movie, just in terms of how scary it was. Yeah, like, solid pick. It was iconic. I had my hands over my eyes and like my hands over my ears, even though I had headphones on, which wasn't helping, but like it was... Very suspenseful. Great, great opening scene. Eight out of eight scene for me. That's first runner-up. Second runner-up, in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, when the last memory is erased, and they're in a beach house, and the beach house slowly coming apart and flooding. Oh, just a beautiful, brilliant scene. Loved it. My winner is from the movie Spontaneous. In the climax of that film, it's not even really the climax, it's a bit before the climax, there is an unexpected, I'll just call it a mass explosion. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's a mass explosion that culminates in a very compellingly shot specific moment that is very climactic. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because I want you to go watch that movie. I liked it. We I gave it a six out of eight. I think Brian gave it a six out of eight too. A very good movie with one scene that just absolutely blew my mind. I love that scene in Spontaneous. There's a lot of red we yes. called Suspiria the reddest movie in our pilot, but Spontaneous comes close if it doesn't surpass it. Lots of blood. And, and I love how that moment very specifically evokes school shootings as a thing that it's like trying to be a metaphor for. But also it's kind of 
resonant in the COVID age too. Just a very evocative scene and movie. So yeah, there you go. All right, Brian, best line or quote from a movie the past 25 episodes. Okay. Both of the things I want to shout out come from songs. We've got a musical award coming up. We had a lot of musical moments in this batch of films. But the honorable mention I want to shout out comes from Disney's version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow from 1949. And you get Bing Crosby crooning when he goes a-joggin' across the land, holding his noggin in his hand. Demons take one look and groan and hit the road for parts unknown. That's good. Good, <laughs> That's good. good description yeah. of the Headless Horseman. Anything that involves jog and rhymed with noggin, I'm on yeah. board. Uh, but the very best moment that I wanted to shout out and the best line comes from Someday, the love ballad in the Zombies films. And Milo Mannheim says, Right from the start, you caught my eye, and something inside me came to life. On the one hand, that's very romantic. On the other hand, the choreography is great, and it shows him tossing his eyeball to Meg Donnelly. He, like, feigns plucking out his eyeball and throwing it at her. And so you caught my eye. Yeah. Yeah. Come to life like a zombie. Exactly. Yeah. Very evocative. What have you got? Yeah, so... My honorable mention is from Repo Man. And I it's actually, I don't know if it's Repo Man's credit that I always think of this line. It might be the show Party Down that I reason I always think of this line. But Bud, who's Harry Dean Stanton, has this great, there's so many great monologues in that movie. His monologue that I'm referring to here is they see some people. He's with Emilio Estevez and he says, look at those assholes ordinary fucking people i hate them and it's not much in terms of like poeticism in the words themselves but just ordinary fucking people is just three perfect words in conjunction you couldn't make it better i think about it all the time i love it ordinary fucking people that's my runner-up my winner so you went the musical route for best quote for me i thought what's a theme that tied this past 25 episodes together, a lot of books. Books are good. They have words. They have good words. Books are good. They have words. And they're good words. Yeah. I wanted to pick something from a book we read that was also in a movie. And I landed on A Christmas Carol. And I almost picked Come In and Know Me Better Man, just because I've said that about 150 (laughs) times since December. (laughs) Come in and know me better, man. And what's even more remarkable about this is Dan works from home. So (laughs) So who is he meeting? Who is he inviting in? in? Yeah. But I I went with something slightly more earnest and I rewatched the segment that might have had this quote. It was in a couple of them, not all of them, at least the entirety of the quote. But the one I'm picking is from George C. Scott's 1984 Christmas Carol. His Scrooge reads this quote. I just think it's beautiful. Here it is. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. So there you go. Nice. And 
that's something that's bound to come up in more than one adaptation because I think it comes from the novella. Yeah. Always good to get some non-seasonal Christmas Carol representation. Yeah, here we go. In the in the middle of March, talking about Christmas Carol, talk about Scrooge. I know you, you would talk about Scrooge 365. That's right. I love Scrooge. But Brian, next award, best musical moments. What was our best musical moment from the past 25 episodes? We had so many musical moments this time around. Maybe more than any previous batch of films. Like, I wrote out how many of our films had musical moments, and it's a lot. I mean, even in It's Kind of a Funny Story, you got them singing Under Pressure. You got musical moments in, like, every Spy Kids film because Floop is singing. You got Hoku's, like, promotional music video from Snow Day. It just goes on and on. But as far as what I wanted to give our awards to, so I think the best scene, if not best song, is maybe Another Day of Sun from La La Land, the scene where they've got all the cars on the overpass, just because I can't even imagine all the things you have to think through producing that getting everybody ready, doing it all in one shot. It's crazy. Mind-blowing. As far as the best song, just thinking about the musical aspect, I'm going to go with Fired Up, the cheerleader audition song from Zombies. I still groove to that one. But when it comes to putting the music and the visuals together... I'm going to select the finale from La La Land. All the visual elements strung together when Seb and Mia are imagining like the perfect version of their love story. I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense as far as something that could have plausibly happened, but it's really visually and aurally engaging. Sight and sound is what musicals are about, and this delivers on every front. There's a lot of cool things going on in this sequence. What about you, Dan? I think you're right that we had a lot of really good musical moments this batch of 25 episodes. I also had a short list. Uh, I really love the choreography in Someday from Zombies. Uh, You already shouted that out. That was on my short list. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is the one that Gargus joined us for, Really love Wig in a Box in that one. It's got some cool stuff going on. Great song. Um, But I I only had to think about this one for about a quarter of a second before I knew the answer for what was our best musical moment. Oh, I didn't even say what my my final runner-up was. My final runner-up was actually Under Pressure from It's Kind of a Funny Story. That's one that stuck with me. We talked a little bit about how it didn't work quite as well for you. It pulled you out a little bit, but... It's always been a magical moment for me. It's a musical moment. It's got to be acknowledged. Yeah. But I had to think again about a quarter of a second for what my what was the best musical moment. And I have the same answer as you, Brian. The La La Land grand finale. It's like 10 minutes. It's just every visual idea that Damien Chazelle had wrapped up in this theme that's now being like transposed and blown out. This city of stars, oh, it's so good. And there's no words. That's kind of maybe the the asterisk on it is like, I like it when people sing and this one doesn't have singing, but just in terms of delivering an emotional haymaker and 
being visually everything you could want. That I didn't have to. That that was my my answer. Stamp it, double stamp it. There it is. Yeah, I think the fact that we both picked it is telling. Like, there's no lyrics, but it's so evocative. Right. So now we come to our correction section. So, movies we would rate lower or higher. Brian, what is one movie that you would rate lower that we have talked about? So, it, just so you know, in our spreadsheet, this will get a official one point demotion. So, what movie gets a one point demotion? So one thing I wanted to say about this section is I don't think the one point jump was ever made official. I think that's just what we did in the first spectacular. But in my case, they're both going to be one point jumps. Anyway. Okay. So it, it doesn't really make a difference. But I just want to say, I don't think it has to be a one yeah. point jump. If you've had, say, three ghosts visit you in the night and you've had just a polar <laughs> turnaround, that's okay. If you really want to shake things up. So where Scrooge might have called Christmas very not good and subsequently upgraded it to a tour day good, that for him, he, he could give it a seven point jump. He wouldn't need to like to just say, oh, it went from very not good to not good. Exactly. The big jump. Exactly. Yeah. Just so everybody is on the same yeah. page here. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, you brought up Scrooge. I've got a Christmas Carol adaptation here. As far as something that's going to come down just a little bit for me, something that's lost a little of the luster, is Rich Little's Christmas Carol. I gave it a five. I called it good. I'm going to change that to good-ish. Four out of eight. You made me see the light a little bit. It's maybe not so great. I still like the way that it delivered on the premise of having one actor play absolutely everybody. And maybe that comes from me having a public access background and maybe you don't have a whole bunch of people come to your shows. If you can make a whole like feature length thing with just one dude, I still admire that. But it's not great. It's not great cinema. Four out of eight for Rich Little's Christmas Carol. <laughs> what have you got, Dan, as far as something you're bringing down a peg? So I had a couple candidates. I actually had a much harder time with one that we will upgrade, which I'll talk about in a minute. There is one selection that I immediately, like literally from the moment I said the number onward, I was like, I rated that just a hair too high. Um, and that is Zombies 2. I gave it a good-ish. I was right on the line between not not good and good-ish. I'm going to just, Zombies 2 is like more of Zombies 1, but less overall, just worse and less interesting. And hey, you had the weirdest color scheme in cinema history. Now we're going to downgrade that too. The weirdest color scheme, but also some cheap Twilight knockoffs in there for, for no good reason. And the music, I haven't listened to that soundtrack as much as I've listened to the first soundtrack. So I'm going to downgrade that to a three out of eight. Not not good. I also thought about downgrading Scream 2 from a very good to a good. And yeah, overall, I looked at my ratings and I didn't have too many qualms. Like I could have left all of my ratings as is. Maybe my bold move would have been, I'm not changing any ratings, never higher, never lower. But uh, if I am choosing one, that's the one I'm choosing. So there you go. Oh, that would be an interesting angle. Yeah. But you're going to die on the hill of the ratings that you gave the first time around. Maybe I'll think about that when episode 100 comes. So now we move on to the, the movie you would rate higher. Brian, what would you rate higher? Well, we were just talking zombies too. I'm going to go with zombies one. I gave it a four out of eight, a good-ish. Going to bring that up to an authentic good five out of eight. 
This one has stuck with me. I've definitely thought about zombies and the zombies world and the zombies color scheme. I like this movie. I think it warrants at least a, a five out of eight. Where are you at? Yeah, I gave zombies a five out of eight as well. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's the right rating for it. Uh, as far as the one that I would upgrade, I really thought I like looked at this list like 30 times trying to come up with what was the one that I really felt I needed to upgrade. So I want to give a little uh, aside here. When we recorded the episode talking about as I was moving ahead, occasionally I saw brief glimpses of beauty. I specifically said I gave it a seven in part because I want to leave open the window to giving it an eight. I want to leave open the window to upgrading it to a tour day good. And part of me wants to be the troll, be the the extremist, to, to go all in and make that, that seven and eight. But the flaws that I pointed out at the time for me still stand there. I still think that its length doesn't do too much to increase its depth as you would hope. It didn't need to be five hours. It could be three hours or two and a half hours and be the same overall product in terms of the experience. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily relitigate that. But I think it's enough of a question mark and asterisk on it that I, I can't in good conscience upgrade that to a tour day good. So, so that's one that I'm just throwing out there that I'm not doing. Both La La Land and Brick, I gave sevens and Right on the verges of eight. I'm not going to upgrade either of them. I'm going to actually go with one that even at the time you heard me giving it, I was kind of on the fence, and that is Repo Man. I'm going to give Repo Man a seven, an exceptionally good, instead of a six, a very good. It was it was a high six at the time. Now I'm giving it a low seven. I just like movies that do their own thing and do it really well. And this one really does its own thing and really does it really well. So that's a, an exceptionally good for me. Cool. I think I gave that one a seven. So I agree. Now we are on to worst actor or actress. Brian, what is our worst actor or actress from the past 25 episodes? I picked Mary Steenburgen from Turkey Hollow. As far as just the actor who turned in the most phoned in performance. Like she was really there to collect a paycheck and just didn't add too much in my estimation. And so when it comes to a worst actor or actress, what's your pick, Dan? So I've decided I'd like to use the spot not for calling out the worst or laziest performances, but for performances that were bad in ways that I've just never encountered before or like added some new vocabulary to bad acting in some way how I talk about it, how I think about annoying characters. And when you think about it that way, it's kind of remarkable that I didn't pick Jansen Panettiere. Yeah, I mean, this is like the golden raspberry, but it's the golden Jansen. Yeah, it should be like the Jansen Panettiere Honorary Worst Actor Award, even though I didn't pick him for it in that first 25 episodes. Anyways, um, the one I'm going to go with is an act, a performance that makes me smile, but I don't think one could ever call good. And that is Ken Mitzkovitz as King Dagda <laughs> in Max Magician. Or apparently I absentmindedly here wrote in my notes in Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the same yeah, thing. Yeah, basically the same thing. 
Max Magician, Lord of the Rings, uh, Ken Mitzkevich. He, so here's what he added to my lexicon of bad acting, is if you go around saying, bad, all the time, then you're, you're pulling a King Dagda. So. Anytime Max Magician gets a mention in this episode, <laughs> I, I feel, I don't know, some kind of vicarious accomplishment. Even though you didn't make the movie. I didn't make the movie, but I, I brought it here to us. And so if it, if it gets talked about, I feel a boost. All right. So now we're on to best actor and best actress. Brian, who was the best actor male of the past 25 episodes for us? I gave it to Zach Galifianakis in It's Kind of a Funny Story. He showed more range than I've seen from him before. He played the character Bobby and... We get the sense that he is disturbed. He's having the mental health issues. And he really just delivered a range of emotions. Where are you at, Dan? What did you pick for best actor? So I, he was on my long list. My short list, I had three runners up and all great in different ways for the just unhinged, you can't look away performance award. I have Matthew Lillard in Scream 1. What was the line that you quoted? I can't remember what it you is. You hit me with the phone, man. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, well, he's like bleeding to death. <laughs> you hit me with the phone. Yeah. Um, I also have Ezra Miller in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I thought he was great. And then my third runner up is someone who just really entertained me the whole time he was on screen. It just, I was laughing my, my whole time. And that is Ken Mitzkovitz as uh, King Dagda from Max Magician, Lord of the Rings. Best act. So is this still an honorable mention? Or yeah, honorable mention. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm trolling a little bit, but okay. like, it's a good bat. You know, it's like the troll two scenario. It's good and it's bad. Absolutely. Yeah. But my my pick, and this this goes back to what I did in the 50th Spectacular, which is if I just look at a movie and think about who most elevated and controlled a movie in a way that you just could not replace with any other human being on the planet, I have John Cameron Mitchell in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And he was the lead character, Hedwig, in all her just insanity, toxicity, brilliance, just this one-of-a-kind performance. Great performance, John Cameron Mitchell in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, some films are auteur projects. Right. It's like, it's a singular vision. Now we move on to Best Actress. Who is the Best Actress for you, Brian? So I ultimately went with Emma Stone from La La Land. I think she's got some powerful moments here. And that was my selection. There you go. I'm going to uh, especially point out the audition song I really liked. I talked about, I cried the first two times, not the third time, uh, but it was enough to get multiple emotional reactions out of me. And what about you? This is one where I, I didn't need to have any runner-ups because I knew who I was going to pick as soon as the topic came up. And that is Kate Winslet from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind playing Clementine, I think her name is just totally transformed from her Titanic character. You, I don't even know if I would have said it was the same actress really embodying uh, a character who's 
not necessarily the deepest or most sympathetic on the page, but bringing so much life and nuance to this character. Uh, just a mind-blowingly good performance from a mind-blowingly good movie. That's uh, Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And so for best and worst titles, Brian, this is a new category out of nowhere. What? We talk a lot about movie titles. I, I just threw this in here. Yes, we want to innovate. We want to change up the format a little. And so Dan has brought to the table a new award. And it's, what do we like about the episode titles? And, well, actually, this is the, the not movie the, titles. The movie yeah. titles. Because we talk yes. a lot about this, like, especially movie titles we don't like. So right. I wanted, Brian, the space to bring favorite and least favorite movie titles. I have my own. And then we're going to go out of the box and say, if we had given this award in the 50th and the 25th Spectacular, what would we have picked? So for your, your you stalwart listeners out there, Something to reflect upon. Correct. We have some legacy awards this time around. Since it is a new category, we want to be retroactive here. When it comes to episodes 51 through 75, I'm going to say that the best film title was La La Land. Because it's a story about Los Angeles, L.A., sometimes nicknamed La La Land, but that gives the sense of a fantasy, like a dream state. And this movie is about the Los Angeles dream. So I think that's a perfect title. Uh, what about you, Dan, for best title? I, I think it's a good pick. I have a couple that I liked. I like how pure Snow Day is. Snow Day. I had that penciled day. in. It is a Snow Day. <laughs> that's not my pick. My pick is... As I was moving ahead, I saw brief glimpses of beauty because you you know with a title like that you're getting a lot of something. It tells you, hey, here's I'm gonna be giving you something. The thing I'm gonna be giving you, I'm gonna be giving you a lot of that thing. The title is almost as long as the movie. Yeah, and I just appreciate that. It's like they could have named he could have named it Reflections. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Hey, you want to go watch Reflections? I don't know. Maybe. Hey, do you want to go watch As I Was Moving Ahead Occasionally I Saw Brief Glimpses of Beauty? No way, dude. Let's go see Mission Impossible 7. No, it's like <laughs> nobody would want to do that unless they knew they wanted to do that. So it achieves its mission of telling you something about the movie that's meaningful and is very memorable, too. So that's my pick. What about worst title, Brian? All right. This is not... Probably super controversial. I'm going to go with The Legend of Creepy Collars, <laughs> which was the Wishbone episode dedicated to retelling The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I think this title was only slapped on it like when it got a home video release because the title screen just says The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So that's what it is. Uh, whoever made this choice, I question. Yeah, I didn't think we had any historic stinkers in the title category this time around. I didn't even think about Legend of Creepy Collars. You're right, it's really stupid. I just kind of lumped all that in with the, the Sleepy Hollow stuff. But I have it even as, maybe this is worse, Brian. I don't know what you think. Officially, I have it as Halloween Hound, the Legend of Creepy Collars. Well, there you go. That just makes it even worse. <laughs> Shout out to Brick, which I don't think captures the essence of that movie. 
Like it's it's a film noir in a teen universe, and you wouldn't get any of that from just Brick. That's true. Uh, but that's not my pick. My pick is a movie title you called out as liking in the episode, so maybe this is controversial. Read it and weep. There is no weeping involved in read it and weep. That's like a phrase, but it's only tangentially related to the plot itself. Okay, but hear me out. The characters read the book, and then I guess maybe it's only once they find out that the characters are based on them, but like there's some controversy, some, some fallout. Maybe not weeping, but like a negative reaction that comes of the story having come out. Well, that's my pick. I would also argue that Amazing World of Ghosts is false advertising, not particularly amazing. <laughs> okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> but yeah. All right, uh, here's the Legacy Awards section. Mediocre World of Ghosts. <laughs> Very not good World of Ghosts. Uh, just kidding. All right, so do you want to toss out least favorite title from... And favorite title from the first 25 episodes, 1 through 25, Brian? I do have those ready to go. My worst title from 1 to 25? I'm going to pick Everybody Wants Some. What do they want? <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone know? But everybody wants whatever that thing is. No. It's also stylized to have exactly two exclamation points at the end of the title. Does that raise or lower your estimation? Yeah. What is that second exclamation yeah. point for? As far as your picks, Dan, worst title in episodes one through 25. I didn't have any <laughs> opinions too strong. The American president. I mean, I know he's American and he's a president. I don't know. Give me something else in the title there. That's not my pick, though. This has been uh, one of the touchstones of bad titles has been some kind of wonderful. And the more I've thought about it, it's just the name of a song that has nothing to do with the movie. So I'm out on some kind of wonderful as the title. That's my worst pick. Best title from the first 25 episodes, Brian. Okay, so my decision when it comes to best title is heavily influenced by like what tells you what the movie is about. But for episode one through 25, it doesn't give it away. My selection was over the garden wall because it gives you the sense of something beyond the known. It's like a world that's outside, over yonder. Honorable mention though, to last day of summer, because that's evocative too. Like maybe not the greatest film, maybe not the greatest actor's performance, but it's about a transitional period. It's about something that's the end of one season and the beginning of another. Uh, but yeah, I did give it to Over the Garden Wall. That's a good pick. I like that one. What have you got for best title of one through 25? I have a title that just makes me smile whenever I think about it. And that is High School Musical, the musical, the series, which the first like four episodes of that were as meta as you might expect from a title that way. It kind of shifted into a feel-good dramedy after that. It got a little less ambitious with the meta stuff, but I thought that was a, uh, a fun title. It's like, uh, anytime you have two colons in the title, it's, it's an accomplishment. So, High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yeah, that show shifted and has shifted a couple times. Maybe our update episode will cover the second season of 
High School Musical, the musical, the series. Heck, it might be the third season by then. I don't know. When yeah, it's out. whenever it's going to happen. But yeah. All right, Brian, what is from episodes 26 to 50? Continuing our legacy award discussion here. What was the worst movie title from episodes 26 to 50? I picked A Night to Remember. It was a toss-up between A Night to Remember and It Happened One Night. Both very vague. They don't tell you a lot. As we've said multiple times, It Happened One Night takes place over multiple days. So how are you going to throw that as the movie title on your film? Uh, But A Night to Remember, this is the Titanic story. It's like, how are viewers going to know that (laughs) walking into the cinema and you got a movie called A Night to Remember? Unless you can see the poster, why are you going to choose to go see that? What have you got, Dan? That's good. I like both those picks. Shout out to Taurus Trap, which is really does not have many Taurus Traps in it. But I will say about Taurus Trap, you hear that and you hear it's a TV movie you know what you're getting yourself signed up for. Like in terms of the approximate tone and the terms of the approximate scope and production values. So even though it doesn't capture anything specific about the movie, I'm giving it a little bit of leeway in that regard. Yeah. I felt very similarly because it's about a road trip. Yeah. At least. Uh, So you picked a night to remember. I'm going to go. It happened one night because it didn't happen one night. It happened multiple nights. No, don't call it. It happened one night unless it's a thing. That happened one night. It didn't happen one night. Okay. That's my pick. And now we get to best from 26 to 50. So I was a little torn here. If you're going to give it to movies that are on the nose with the title, I mean, you could give it to something like Godzilla, Titanic. Do a very effective job of telling you what the movie's about. It's like a giant monster or a ship that sinks. I actually went with the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T because this is something that's going to stick in your memory. It's weird. It's eccentric. And yet it still tells you what it's about because it's 500 kids playing a piano. So each has got 10 fingers, total 5,000. What was your decision, Dan? That was my runner up. It's just so evocative. It's so goofy. Think about when you think about things that you have a lot of, you don't think about fingers as a thing you have a lot of. So I enjoyed how it implanted that that curiosity in your head. What does it mean to have 5,000 fingers? And it just rolls off the tongue. Very good. My pick is a very on-the-nose one. I want every movie to be as on-the-nose and clear about its objective as this movie, and that is Beach Party. Beach Party is a movie about partying on the beach. Bingo bongo. You got it right there. You're right. All right, so that's our Legacy Award for Best and Worst Title. We're getting to the good stuff now, folks. You've hung with us. You've hung with us through 75 episodes. You've hung with us through this spectacular. Here we are. What's the worst movie, Brian? The worst movie or selection that we discussed and rated on the goods in the past 25 episodes? I know what it is, but tell us. I don't think even if you listen to just this episode, if this is the first time you've ever come across our feed... That you'll be surprised here. I'm giving this to, as I was moving ahead, occasionally I saw brief glimpses of beauty. This is just so self-indulgent to me. Five hours of nothingness. I gave it a one. I stand by it. That's my pick. All right. What do you got? And on the mirror of that, no surprise for me, 
I only gave out one one out of eight in this past 25 episodes, and here it is. I laughed. It was goofy. It was dumb, but Amazing World of Ghosts. You can't even call it a real movie. I'm out on Amazing World of Ghosts. Very not good World of Ghosts. That's my verdict. Fair enough, but it wasn't five hours long. <laughs> you know, that's fair. That is a good counterpoint. All right. So now we move on to our top five, Brian. We're going to count down our top five. Okay. What was the number five best movie or out of 25 episodes that we watched? All right. In my fifth place slot, I've selected La La Land. Great film, I thought. Maybe not quite the best picture, but still very engaging. I have it at number five. What's your number five pick, Dan? Brian, I have this movie I think you should watch. I think you're really going to like it. It's this avant-garde documentary. It's five hours long. It's my number five pick. It's, as I was moving ahead occasionally, I saw brief glimpses of beauty. So this movie made me feel things that I've never felt watching a movie before. It creates a really unique and compelling texture of reminiscence it has this hallucinatory just i don't even know what the right word is it, like it lulls you into a daze just this really um powerful memory evoking storytelling in the midst of being absurdly long and having this weird blend of like home footage and cobbled together sounds and stuff it it evoked really strong feelings in me that I just, I couldn't set aside even as goofy and unwieldy as the project itself was. So. All right. Well, anything you're going to bring up, trust that I saw. <laughs> I sat down and I did watch it. Well, it was... Uh, but now we're on, I guess, to number four. Number four, right? yeah. All right. My number four pick is Brick with Jason Gordon-Levitt. This was a pretty cool neo-noir movie. Didn't really know anything about it going in, uh, but it was engaging, exciting. It reminded me of one of my favorite TV shows, Breaking Bad, and I recommend it. Check out Brick, which is maybe not a movie that you thought of before. My number four is Brick. I actually toggled back and forth on my number four and number three a couple of times here. Both of them are sevens verging on eights. Um, I really love Brick. It creates this whole world, this teenage wasteland of eating lunch behind the portables and from significant portions of the movie it's not quite clear whether they're just goofy dumbass teenagers hanging out and doing nothing or whether they're like actually in a real world of crime and then there's other portions where it gets really dark and there's death and other dark things and this movie traverses that very well JGL gives a breakout performance, very charming, very unique script. Really loved it. Ryan Johnson, I'm all in on Brick. Now, what do we have for number three, Brian? At number three, I have Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. During our episode, I compared it to like a shoebox diorama. I just really like how this whole world is constructed and it has the puppets and the whole world at a scale constructed around the puppets. You have small towns, but 
what if the population were anthropomorphized otters? And so you got, you know, weasels going to the music store. I, I like it. It's quaint, but as I've said a few times this episode, evocative. Where are you at for number three, Dan? My number three is La La Land. I really love this movie. It It's cinema incarnate. It's so exciting and colorful. Oh, the colors. Slaying me. Destroying me. And the music and the emotions. Just really something special. I can see why it's it's thought of as a be- potential best picture. Because it's so big and exciting. And it really moved me. And I want to see it on a big screen someday. La La Land, right on the edge of a 7 and 8 for me. Well, I quite liked La La Land. Like I said in our episode, I went to see it in the theater twice. So, yeah, check it out if you get the chance. But what do you have as number two, Brian? My number two pick, I have Repo Man. A Dan selection for an episode. Consistently surprising. I ended up really enjoying it. It's quirky. It's fun. You've got a bunch of food with just nameless logos on there. Like, you got to see it to understand, and even then you might not. But when you got like a final shootout in this convenience store with all nameless food, it's just so memorable. Number two for you, Dan. My number two and my number one are pretty neck and neck. Two movies I feel very passionately about. For number two, I'm going to go with a movie that my brother Will suggested we watch, which is In the Mood for Love. It's a movie from Hong Kong by Wong Kar Wai. It's this aching, just passionate, but also not directly passionate in a way that's like very reserved on the feelings that that they're going through, the feelings that they're feeling. Yeah. These two people who are going through some rough personal life situations played by tremendously talented and beautiful actors, Maggie Chung and Tony Leung. And they create something really memorable for me. Just really beautiful cinema. I gave it a masterpiece rating. I stand by that. I think this movie is a masterpiece. I loved it. That's my number two best movie of the past 25 Brian, do we have the same number one? Let's find out. What was the best movie we watched of the past 25 episodes? Well, there's a good chance that we might. Thank you for letting me go first. Maybe we got to change that up next time. But my pick for best movie of these 25 films is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's the only selection this time around that we both gave an 8 out of 8 to. It's got actors playing maybe against type and was just very memorable. It's all about memory. And there was a lot about this movie that I loved. Anything that's got like bungling scientists, I enjoy. Shout out to our 12 Monkeys coverage. Uh, But good performances from our lead here, our leads maybe against character, uh, but Jim Carrey especially. And yeah, as you said, for best scene, like we got that house washing away on the beach. So many things that are going to stick in my mind. Was that your number one, Dan? It was. Straight up masterpiece. Phenomenal movie. The theme of memory, the theme of 
the one who got away of the complications of love in real life. Phenomenal performances. Whenever it's in the memory escape, it's just doing something with cinema that I've never seen before or since. Really profoundly great. Go see Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and then go listen to our episode. I love that movie. I, I currently have it in my top 25 or 30 or so movies of all time. So I, I really love this. That's that's where it is for me. I'm with you right there, number one. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's good. Good stuff. Direct, Written by Charlie Kaufman, directed by Michelle Gondry. Not Michael Gondry, as I said in the episode. I mispronounced it, but there you go. And that's a wrap on the goodies. Yeah, except for there was discussion that maybe we want to talk about best three movies overall. If we were to yeah. look back to the very beginning, yeah, all throughout, what are our thoughts? So, Brian, hit us. What are your top three movies in the history of the goods coverage. All right. Well, this is probably not super controversial. There have actually only been three films that both of us have given an eight to. And wouldn't you know it, those end up being my top three. But at third overall, I have Eternal Sunshine. This is one I really enjoyed. We just talked about it. It's a great movie. Go see it. Second place, I have Gravity Falls which I had a lot of personal connection to. I made it our 50th episode spectacular. You know, maybe if things line up and we get some guests in the mix, uh, maybe Dan can be the pilot for episode 100 so that I'm not steering things on all our significant episodes. But I enjoyed that we got to, uh, you know, be on our trip to Florida and talk in Gravity Falls. Number one, I have Groundhog Day. It just delivers a unique premise and a lot of thoughtful angles on that premise. It established the time loop trope in fiction. You know, maybe not the first example, but certainly the most iconic. And it's really engaging and well realized. What have you got, Dan? Top three overall best pictures. Yeah, so I have three movies that Whenever I think of any of these movies, my heart just starts bleeding. They're just, they're all so good. I feel so strongly about all of them. I love them so much. Number three, I have Eternal Sunshine. Number two, I have, I can't listen to Celine Dion anymore because I start crying. I have Titanic at number two. And at number one, I also have Groundhog Day. It just does everything. It just tells a emotionally rich, powerful story. That's my number one movie uh, yeah. in the history of the goods. All three of those, I will fight you if you come to me and start badmouthing. So, you know, that that's where I am. All, all masterpieces. We've watched a lot of good stuff on the goods. We've watched some not so good stuff. We've maybe even watched some very not so good stuff, Brian. Yeah, I agree. And for what it's worth, I had Titanic as the fourth entry here. I had Titanic, question mark. As an honorable mention. Um, that would have been number four. Really good movie. I'm glad I got to share it. All right. Well, whew. What, a, what a spectacular, Brian. I'm feeling pretty spectacular. I hope you feel spectacular, Dan, and listeners. Who knows what we're going to pick next? I hope you keep joining us. Thank you, Brian, for joining me. This has been lovely. 
in person, historic, 75. We'll see you next week, listeners, on The Goods, a film podcast. Stay golden. Mm-hmm.